Welcome to Stories That Shape Us. My name is Joanna Daniel. Stories That Shape Us is a daily podcast where I share my perspective on how different experiences influence our view of self, how we interact with others, and how we show up in the world. Welcome to the Stories That Shape Us podcast. My name is Joanna Daniel. This October, well, October is Domestic Abuse Awareness Month. And as at Wounds to Scars, we work with adult survivors of childhood trauma and women who experience abuse. We are going to focus this month, the podcast on survivors of abuse. We're going to talk about abuse in different ways. And today I have my first guest, Simone Simon. And Simone is a counselor and a co-author of a book that we have coming up soon. And we'll tell you some more about that in due course. But welcome, Simone. Thank you. This, this interview is well overdue, isn't it? We were supposed to talk about something else yeah. some time ago. Just didn't happen. Yes. <laughs> so today we're talking about um, uh, domestic abuse and we're talking about I want to talk to uh, especially Christian women because that's who we talk to mostly on our podcast. Most of who listens to the podcast are Christian women about healing. Do you want to tell us anything about like, tell us your story, Simone? Like, why did you, why did you agree to come and do this conversation today? Why is this important to you? So, um, as I'm a survivor of domestic abuse, um, and being a Christian woman as well, it was just more difficult to even identify that I was in the midst of um, domestic abuse. I married who I thought was the love of my life. Um, you know, we, we knew each other since I was like 17 and started going to church. We sang together and, you know, we're really good friends. So I thought we had such a wonderful foundation. You know, we got married and then I felt like there was a stranger in my house because I slowly realized that I didn't recognize the person whom I thought I knew so well. Um, I, I was manipulated constantly. I was put down quite a lot. Um, I was made to feel that... I was not a good enough wife. When I had my daughter, I wasn't a good enough mother. And I wasn't a good enough Christian, even. You know, um, I felt like I was living with a very harsh judge. Hmm. Um, yeah, to the point where I was scrutinizing everything I said, especially when I was outside the home. I had to be very careful of, what my face looked like, um, what my t tone sounded like, um, you know, what was coming out of my mouth so that I wouldn't be getting the backlash when I get home, you know. And it, it got to the point where I started doing that to myself. You know, in the night, I'd be going through my day in my head and scrutinizing what I said, what I did. You know, oh, you shouldn't have said that, Simone. You should have, you know, you could have done this and you whatever. You're an idiot. You're this, you're that, you know. Using his so, words. So this was, this was, these became my words, mm. you know. 
um, you know, I was, I remember the days when I was, I'd be talking and he'll be like, just shut up and stop talking stupidness, that sort of thing, you know. To you, speaking to uh, you. To me, to me, he would say that. And when you hear that kind of thing being said to you over a period of time, you become <laughs> yeah, that yeah. abuser to yourself as well. Yes. And that's what I became as well. I became that critic of my own self, harsh mm -hmm. critic, mm -hmm. harsh judge, mm -hmm. because I was living in it so long. But I did not, because there wasn't a finger laid on me. Yeah. I, I did not know what to call this. I knew yeah. what was happening to me wasn't comfortable. It wasn't right. Somewhere along the line, I knew it wasn't right, but it was hard to say to anybody I'm being abused because mm. the first it, thing it, people would look at is did he put his hand on you mm -hmm. you know and being in church especially there wasn't you know oh your husband don't talk to you nicely or whatever wasn't enough for you to leave moreover you know as you talk and um, even if you try to reach out to pastors or whatever it was always, oh, we pray about it and, you know, and that's, mm -hmm. that's it. And, you know, bear on and, you know, whatever, you know, we all come against, come up against um, trials and, and, and tests and, you know, all this kind of thing. And so in a way you were made to believe that your faith wasn't strong enough. And that is why you were struggling in this relationship. That is why it, it wasn't changing. Yeah. You know, and my husband was of a similar mindset to like, you know, we pray about it. Let us pray and let God work on it and all this kind of thing, hmm. you know, while, the, while the, the bad treatment continued. Yeah. Yeah. The financial abuse and all of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it came. <laughs> I tell you, this thing came to a head. I started. My sister kept saying to me, Simone, I think you're depressed. Mm -hmm. You know, I wasn't sleep. I wouldn't sleep very well. I was nervous. I started having chest pain, but didn't realize what they were about mm -hmm. at the time. Um, I remember I was heavily pregnant with my son, my second child. Um, and I just sat and was looking into space one day and I was like, and my cousin said to me, she saw how distressed I looked and she said to me do, you do know you can speak to your midwife about things around you know if you're if you're not happy in yourself and things aren't right at home they can give you some help with that and so I decided to speak to my midwife I was eight months pregnant <laughs> I spoke to my midwife and she put me on to um one of the people that work with pals or something, pals, I think it's called. And this person then escorted me um, up to see the council office and explained, spoke on my behalf and explained what's going on for me. And for the first time, this thing had a name, what was happening to me. Wow. First Does time. Does like knowing the name for the first time that, kind of corresponds with the experiences that you've been having yeah oh it was such a relief 
it was like it's not all in my head I'm not right. just being a terrible person thinking that he's doing all of this to me because it was hard for people to believe mm -hmm. what you're going through it was hard to find a reason um not to stay you know what I mean right it, it was just hard even especially in church it was hard to just explain why you you, you wanted to leave you didn't you have know? permission to to, to leave no. because it didn't, yeah. it didn't hit you there was lots of um praying about it and rationalizing yeah spiritualizing it even mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, the devil, you know, the devil come after your family and mm. all that, you know, that sort of thing. And the devil see that your family unit is this and that. And, you know, he's attacking the family and he all of that. And you think to yourself, oh, my gosh, I need to pray harder. Mm. I need to, I, you know, you hear all the sermons about being submissive and all of that. And you try that. And you, I feel like I was digging a hole deeper. Nothing the more happened. submissive. I became is he became happier I became sadder and the treatment became worse so it doesn't help it doesn't help the treatment does it Be, being more something no. doesn't stop the insult <laughs> no. the manipulation. no yeah and, no. and one would think it would because you think because they talk about submission and you know sometimes pastors send women home to go submit you think okay so that should make it better but it but it doesn't make it better it doesn't it doesn't you know it really doesn't. You know, I remember taking out my last hundred pounds out of my bank account and giving it to him because he so badly wanted to buy a little car and whatever. And he was moaning to me a lot. And I said, that's all I've got left now. That's it. Everything has been drained. Everything I came into this marriage with has just been absolutely drained. That was my last hundred pounds. And he took it. And yet, yet, the same car, I had to, I was heavily pregnant. I had to be walking in the snow to the bus stop, slipping and sliding, heavily pregnant while the car sparked up on the drive. He wouldn't take you places? No, what? no. And pick me up from work. I'd finish work 10 o'clock in the night. I had to get on the bus, reaching home at 11 in the night to come home, heavy pregnant. Yeah. And, and there was a car at home. And there was a car at home. That you used the last yeah. minute to give him to buy. Yeah. I remember him mm -hmm. peeping through the window one day. It was so very snowing. The snow was coming down. And I was trying my best not to fall over in the snow. And I, I could hear him, you know, through the window, be careful, be careful. My you fall, you know, kind of thing. Really? Wow. So And yeah. And the car, I had to squeeze past the car on the drive to to get out. Yeah. Wow. So uh, it sounded like that, like that lasted years. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the thing is, the thing is, and this is the thing about um, abuse and even about, around trauma. After that experience, you know, um, when I had my son, well, when I was heavy pregnant with my son and I went to the council, the council moved me out. They put me in emergency home uh, housing. Right. And, you know, if, when I, after I had my son, they put my daughter and I, you know, they gave me a little flat and everything like that. Now, nearly a year down the line, 
I got back with this man. I was which back often, with him. Which often happens. Did you give up I your back and him. give up your tenancy? And, and I nearly did. I nearly did. Mm -hmm. I moved back there with him, took the keys back to the council and said, mm -hmm. oh, I'm going back home. Um, You know, here are the keys. I've moved everything out. Blah, blah, blah. And the woman wouldn't take the key off me. She didn't take it. She wouldn't. She's seen this before, maybe. She was so adamant. You hold on to that. And she said, moreover, you've got to give us um, um, 30 days notice. And you've got to go through this process and that process. She said, give it a try, but hold on to the key. Don't give it in just yet. You know, she would not take it. That's a blessing. And I <laughs> walked away tell feeling us, a bit frustrated. Why, uh, tell us why you why you went back after a year what was what was it that changed so he started coming back round he was being helpful mm. all the things that i wanted him to be he was trying to be yeah yeah mm -hmm. um being a single mom with two kids was was rough i bet at the time um and with a with a with a, a baby really you know um because my son wasn't a year old yet you know Mm -hmm. and he was making plans you know took me away on holiday mm. um you know to the point even my sister invited him down for 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 christmas we went to my sister's house and she's like oh why don't you can invite him if you want oh and wow. so i because i knew he would be alone on christmas yeah. So I said to him, come on, you can come if you like. And, you know, and he went to my sister and that man worked like he was possessed. He painted my sister's house. Everything she needed fixing, he was fixing in those, you know, the few days we were there. He was grooming he was, everybody. Oh, gosh. <laughs> you know, he was getting everybody ready. The ideal brother-in-law and husband, you know what I mean, yeah. that you could yeah. be proud of. That's mm -hmm. the kind of person. Mm -hmm. you know um and I ended up <laughs> come come the fall you know a few months later I was pregnant with my third child is that when you um, moved back in or before you moved back in he I hadn't fully moved back in at that point I moved right. back when I was pregnant um okay. so yeah it was it was I was I became no actually I became pregnant he started staying at my flat a lot more. Right. Um, and then he's like, you know, um, three children isn't going to be easy to look after. So, mm. you know, it, it, what you think, it, I think we should move back in together kind of thing. And I just cried because <laughs> I cried because I didn't know how my body was going to cope with a third child because my, my, my two youngest, they're a year and nine months apart. So, and you're talking about um, a C-section kind of birth. Right. So it was really hard on my body. It was really hard on my mind. I'm not one of those blooming pregnant persons. You know, oh, it's a, yeah. my pregnancies are rough. So it was a lot on my body. And just thinking about going through that, so I said, okay, then, because he could help me with the kids and he could help me this and that, you know? And for the first couple of months, yes, he was he was great, you know. And then it started slowly, slowly going down. Oh, 
you know, you can't, you can't be doing, you can't be, you know, doing that, that way. And you can't, whatever, you know what I mean? How comes you bought that? That's a waste of money. And this, the noose started tightening again around my neck. Yeah, the old man disappeared. The old man started appearing. Mm. And my, my, even my daughter was very, she was like, how dare he come and talk to me about this, that, you know. Mm. When he tried to discipline her, she was coming to me. How dare he talk to me after he made us have to live in that horrible place. And you had to pull a trolley through the, through the snow when you're pregnant so you could go to the laundrette and all this kind of thing. Why he stayed in the house and she was not happy with him. Mm. When you look mm. back, Simone, you know, those periods when he started coming around after you move out and. Could you see some of the same patterns or did he completely change? It appeared, it, you know what? You'd have to get him so comfortable to see some of the old, the old um, tendencies, the old behaviors. Yeah. But he was so clever, um, you know, that he behaved as if he changed so much. So the person that he knew I would have wanted because over the years when you complain about anything he transformed himself into that person your ideal person yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and for that period of time it was yeah trying to you know he was trying so hard to be that person so that I can be hooked in again yeah and I, I think because also you didn't live in the same house so he could spend some time at you but he could go back so yeah because for me it's the consistency of change and I say to women that the, the change need to be consistent over a year before you can even start to trust it mm. so that's why I asked but, but he was not at yours all the time all the time nah, so he nah. was his, so he can go relax and when he comes back he put it on and he puts the smoke screen up that oh sense. yeah he was a different man but he wasn't and it was a sweet life for him because he would come here he would get all his meals he would see the children and you know we get that fulfillment um he wasn't paying any bills here see (laughs) there was nothing going (laughs) on you know what I mean so it was for him I was funding him I was mothering him you were still funding him you were still looking Mm. after him so oh yeah he hadn't really changed that he he was no. doing some other stuff, but financially there was he was the same person was present. So yeah, yeah, you know, you would call me up. Oh, I'm bringing a friend round and cook us up some food, Simone, and whatever. And I would be getting in the kitchen quickly, whipping up something. You know, everybody, you know that. So he and his friend or friends can have something to eat, and you know, oh. Can I get some food to take to work tomorrow and all that sort of thing, you that, know? That so. he hadn't provided. Did he come? Yeah. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> didn't provide the food, but he was doing all of that. Yeah. It's it's so easy to miss these, to miss these things. So easy mm. because you're blinded by, oh, well, he fixed the door and mm. he, now stay, he now takes out the garbage. And I've been talking about that for years. And yeah. he now washes the car. But you're blinded by the other things that he's consistently doing still the same relative things are still happening but oh definitely yeah the smoke screen's real yeah what was was the backlash from church when you moved out the first time um when I moved out 
I was so alone. Um, I felt like a stranger to a certain extent in church because all of a sudden it wasn't, it, it, it just, it, I didn't, people I thought were my friends. They were not, they, they just weren't any kind of, you know, mm. any kind of checking up on me, any kind of empathy. You know what I mean? I remember one person telling me, oh, stop the stupidness and go back to your husband kind of thing. Oh, wow. You know, um, with all this moving about, I had I had nobody in church helping me. Later on, there was one lady who enlisted her husband um, and they helped me to do do the, the final move, you know what I mean, kind of thing. Mm. Um, when I got when I got a permanent place to stay, um, they helped me to move. But that was one one person from the church. One person. One person, and that even that person later on turned around and was like, "You need to get let your husband come come home," and you know, sort of thing. Hmm. But yeah, it was pretty much like I was an outcast. I felt like I was, you know, just pushed aside. I was looked upon as the tarnished woman. A horrible woman who walked away um, from her husband mm, you know from the good so, man yeah and and at one point two two mothers of the church called me up and oh can we just have a chat and oh, we wow. met up but then I realized as, I, as we were talking it was only to find out you know to get the gossip kind of thing okay that, that's what it was it wasn't no and I found that out too late. Mm. Yeah, I found that out a bit late. Um, so I realized, oh, so he just wanted, it's just for information purpose. Mm. You just wanted to see, you know, hear yeah. what was happening, but you weren't offering anything, no practical help, no, no, you know, counsel, no counsel as a mother to a, to, to a younger woman in the church. It wasn't anything like that. It was just for information and to laugh and to see it like a drama kind of thing. Wow. That's wow. all it was. Yeah. You know, I, I asked because I know often women experience such loneliness, as you say, and the backlash mm. can be intense. You know, he's a nice man. He's a good man. You know, you're married. Mm. And for some people, it's just the idea of being married versus being happily married or being safe in your marriage or yeah. not being abused in your marriage, which is which which are all. Important. Yeah. 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 You know, yeah. And, and I think it's some of that pressure from church um, to to get back together. Oh, and you've got such a lovely um we used to sing together. So we used to go, you know, sing at different churches right. and stuff together. And, you know, people know us as that couple and whatever, you know what I mean? And so you feel, you know, pressured in a way to, to get back into the relationship and to fix it so that it looks good again in church. You it makes know, other people um, comfortable. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely, you know. Um, and I did get back into it, you know, three children now. Mm. And I think because he thought three children, you cannot possibly go anywhere. Yeah. He eventually gave up the place he was living at, moved in with me. And then it was even more chaos, um, you know. 
I had to, because by then I thought to myself, you're strong enough now, girl. Don't let this happen again. What's happened before? Right. You know, you think you come in with new mindset, new strength. You can do this and all that kind of thing. And yeah, it slowly just cut away again, cut away, cut away. And it got to a point, the cycle kept on going. And it got to a point where I had I was preempting myself because the anxiety was too much. When he was being nice, I was wondering when the when the bottom would fall out again. Uh-huh. And it can get so it can get so much. And even though it's something that you want, you want that nice, smooth, lovely marriage, but even that made me so anxious that. I would eventually even pick a fight just to make sh- just to <laughs> just to get bring it to an end already because I know to, it's coming to hurry it to the place where the cycle <laughs> was the, in. Yeah, and, and that's what people don't know. There's a pattern and there's a cycle. There's this build up phase. There's this build up yeah. phase, and you're waiting for the next thing, the next stage in the cycle exactly. to happen. And sometimes you would force it to happen so that you just get there already just get there already because the letdown was so terrible yeah and I I was scared after a while I was scared to relax I was scared Mm -hmm. I couldn't enjoy it because Mm -hmm. I know the letdown was coming Mm -hmm. and that anxiety that I used to feel about okay so when is it going to happen you know what I mean when is it just just be yourself already and come on, let's, let's get this over and done with that sort of feeling, you know, mm-hmm. in my head. And so I couldn't, I couldn't enjoy it even when it was good. Yeah. Oh, I bet. You, the, yeah. the hypervigilance that you live in. Yeah. That, yeah. that keeps your, your nervous system on edge. And that's why women live with PTSD, you know, post-traumatic mm. symptoms and the depression. And you mentioned that earlier that it was when it got to that place where you knew that you yeah. had to do something. Yeah. You know, I remember, and then the final, when I finally, finally got out of it, and as a Christian, I think God allowed this this to come to light so that I would have a, something solid to hold on to right. and to stay out of it, you know. Um, he started acting very cold and distant and whatever else, you know. He'd come in, hit the shower straight away, and normally he'd come in, he'd play with the boys a little bit and, you know, run about with them a little bit. And then before, mostly before bed, he will, you know, uh, go and have a shower and stuff. But he was coming in straight into the shower. I was like, hmm. You know, I was just spotting little things, but just not envisioning anything yeah. as, as far as I thought my paranoid mind yeah. was going. Uh, but it eventually came out I remember going I remember getting up one morning I was praying I was like Lord I cannot do this anymore mm. I said you tell me what you want me to do because I I can't do this anymore I said if we need to break up you let it come to me in such a way you know send the message in such a way that I cannot dispute it yeah yeah it won't be that I can say oh maybe it didn't go like that. Maybe it's just hearsay. Maybe it's this or that. And I remember that very day. He sat me down and said, can we talk? And I said, okay. And he sat me down and told me about 
this woman he cheated with, he was cheating with. He, was he had been there. cheating with, yeah. Um, he made it sound like it was a one night, it was a one time, one time thing, and whatever. But as he, you know, started, he said, he said to me, I don't think we're going to make it kind of thing. And I thought, oh, there you go, God. You know, what I mean, it was just like, bam, I heard yeah. that message. Yeah. And so I knew it was over at that right. point. Then he went on to tell me the rest of it. And it was even more, you know, when I was shocked, I was very hurt. I felt betrayed, you know, all of the feelings. Mm. that you'd feel around that kind of betrayal mm -hmm. um there was grief so there was a lot of anger mm -hmm. you know um it, the disbelief I just went to my bed and I'm not somebody who cries I don't I'm not a crier <laughs> put it that way and I cried mm. you know I cried I loved this man for most of my life yeah and I cried and um and I remember him saying, come and eat something. And I said, just leave me alone. And he stormed off as if I was thinking to myself, don't you think this should hurt me? Don't you think I have feelings? Yeah. yeah. You know, and I just, yeah, I went, I went under for a few days, to be fair. Yeah. I went very quiet and tearful for a few days. And, you know. I remember going back to work and, and um, I called up a friend, she's a counselor. And I said, and I was saying to her, you know, this is, he's done this. You know, she look at, she, he's like her brother. She's like, cause she's got a brother with the same name. And so yeah. he's like her brother. So she's like, what has my little brother done? You know? And I said to her, he's, he's cheated on me. And when she heard the story and stuff, and she's like, can't believe this but she said the question in my head is why did he tell you at this point mm, mm, mm -hmm. I had that question too feels like another way to manipulate yeah I'm just wondering but at this point I did not realize his back was it was against the wall you see so yeah well I did my at this point I my tears dried up and I got my investigative head on <laughs> so I went and I I I approached the woman um, I spoke to her, not to make any war, because that's one thing I would never, ever be yeah. getting into conflict with anybody over a man. So I said to her, you know, he told me this, but I just wanted to hear your side of it as well. Um, and so she she told she told me she was edging a bit. And I said, but he said, you're the one who instigated it. And she just went off on one. And she told me from the start to the finish of everything and you know and then another friend who knew about it he came he told me his bit so in all of the different stories i tried to find the truth right. you know you you find the common the common you know yeah <laughs> facts among it all and sort of came, i came up with what the true version mm. seems to be you know and um but the reason why he told me was because the pastor that woman had gone and she had told the pastor. Oh. So um, not because she felt guilty, but because she wanted to pull him away from the church because okay. the church was too important to him. 
Oh. Uh, was it the threat? <laughs> he had the made church, it. The church was. He had threat. yes. The what? How? The what he had told her was that he was only here because of the children, oh. and so the church was more of a competition for her than I was. Than his wife. Yeah. So it was the church, and that made me feel so sh so shameful, so ashamed mm -hmm. of, and so belittled. And after you, you came know. Back. Yeah, that was the second. That was yeah. That this that this is coming to the end of my second round with him, you right. know, um, and yeah. So it was because because the pastor came and told me it was because she wanted to let him drop the duties at church to spend more time with her because apparently they had made plans to move in together and all that sort of thing, right. you know. Um, and she was trying to preempt that to just you know hasten hasten the, the process okay um so yeah so because the pastor when he told me on the weekend the pastor's actually coming to the house a few days later to tell me so the pastor said to him you need to tell your wife because i don't want when i come to her and i'll have to be the one to tell her what right, you've done right right so, so hence the, the yeah yeah so that's that's the reason why he actually told me hmm. what what happened, and you know, of course that was it. Uh, you know, I gave him an ultimate: you need to leave, you need to go, kind of thing. You know, and we had our ups and downs with that, and the you know, bitter words and all that kind of thing. I was so angry for a long time. Hmm. I was really angry. Hmm. You know, very very angry. For a good while and I think I used that anger for a while to keep him at bay right to protect to protect myself from letting him back in again he tried he tried multiple times he tried I mean he we've been separated now for pretty much coming into seven years mm -hmm. he tried up till last year he kept on trying yeah you know as, as i'm listening i'm thinking that the pattern that they have is like this other woman he had no intention of moving in or doing what he told her he was going to do it's just another yeah. way to manipulate somebody else um yeah. but, but she felt if i hasten this process then but it was also god answering your prayers to let you know for yeah sure that it's not where I want you to be. And, I, and, you know, sometimes women struggle for so many reasons. And Christian women struggle. He hasn't mm -hmm. hit me. I've come back. I'm trying to yeah. get to work. I'm a different woman this time. I'm stronger. I'm, he's changed in these ways. And, and there's a lot of mm. things. But, but you know, you know, you will know with the consistency of behavior, how you feel and the experiences that you're oh. having. That yeah. will be a, a sign for yourself that this isn't healthy, this isn't okay, not, and the yeah. damage that it's doing. Oh, definitely, definitely, you know. One of the things I'm glad that I did for myself was that um, after we had that massive breakup and whatever else, I put myself in counselling. Mm. I went, um, it affected my work and stuff, my body, during the second time when he came back and I had the three children, he would just get up and go to work in the morning. 
I had by this time my daughter could take herself to school. Yeah. She was she's in secondary school by now. But I had two little boys mm -hmm. to drop off the at different places and stuff on foot. On foot. <laughs> yeah. And then head myself to work. Wow. Um you know, in a psychiatric unit that was just, you know, at this point I hadn't done my counseling, I hadn't gone into counseling yeah, yet, you know. Um, and I had to make an arrangement while he was still here. I made an arrangement with my work. I was like, okay, we do long days, so 12 hour shifts. And I said to them, oh, can I have the first break? Can I have the first part of the morning as my break? Um, so I used to go in for nine o'clock. So the first part of the morning, I'd use, get the boys ready, drop at various places, do the school run, and then head off to work. I'd get into work, and I'd work from 9 o'clock all the way back to quarter to 8 at night without a break. Hmm. And doing this for about a year or so, my body started breaking down. Of course. You know, I wasn't getting, I'd come back home in the night. I wouldn't be eating properly because I'm not here in the day. There's no dinner, you know. Mm. And he's not coming in and saying, let me cook something to leave for, for her so that she can have something to eat. So I was just, I was running on empty. Mm. You know, I wasn't sleeping properly. I'm still coming in to try and cover so much in the house and everything. Um. And my body, I just started breaking out in boils and all sorts was happening to me. The doctors didn't know. I got every test under the sun. They even tested me for AIDS. Mm. Did they? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, you know, because it was all such, they couldn't figure out what was happening to me. Yeah. Um, you know, I ended up going to the natural, natural remedy person. And that's where I started, you know, getting some help with that. Mm -hmm. but I think my body was so burnt out mm. yeah I felt I was my mind started going downhill because I just felt like I was on the edge of a cliff and looking down into a dark hole wow. that's the way my mind felt and that's when I said you know what let me I appealed at work and they you know you get those the employee counseling thing and yes, you know yes. got six sessions yeah. and yeah. whatever else yeah mm -hmm. and then it was in that period as well that the all his actions came out in the open as well right so the, the, the darkness was, the, the feeling of being on the edge of a cliff happened before you found out before about yeah mm. you know but then I was so glad that I did end up going into further I got I I sourced some NHS counseling and yeah. that was very helpful that was very helpful um helped me to sort of come back up be motivated again and then I, I was able to plan what my next steps were going to be mm. you know and you clarity to plan yeah and that's how I decided let me go back and study um you know because I needed something that's gonna work well for me and work well for my children yes um you know so because what I was doing I knew it was a sustainable for yeah. myself or for the kids you know so that's what I did and that's how I went into counseling yeah, um my, the, 
Yeah, but back to university, you know. Um, and eventually did my master's as well, you know, kind of thing. So um did that. I didn't have the confidence, I have the qualifications I could have done a master's from the offset, but I didn't have the confidence. Mm-hmm. Didn't think I was good enough mm. to I did, you know, I applied for this master's. They called me for an interview and I chickened out. Mm. And I, I went and, and and applied for an undergrad course in counseling. And that was blocked because I'd done um, an undergrad already. So they wouldn't pay for it. So I was forced. <laughs> I struggled out. I struggled out for a year <laughs> and did that. Got the got the, the credits for that one year. And then as I was praying and said, Lord, what do I do now? You know, thinking that the opportunity for the masters had gone. And then the university, in that period, I was praying about it. And the university called me, the university that had invited me before for the interview and I didn't go. They wrote to me. I was like, are you still interested in this masters? And I was like, huh? You know, I knew it was, it could only be God. And they said, we'd like you to come in for an interview. And I went and it, I was successful, you and know, and I got to that. And here I am now. Here you yeah. are. You know, I really want, I really want women to hear it because the, the, the manipulation and the, the, the devaluation, the devaluing that yeah. happens is yeah. so convincing that women believe that they can't do anything that mm. their lives are going to be over, that yeah. they won't be able to to function and provide and to look after, and because mm. they've convinced the, the the abuser has convinced you that you need them, you're dependent, you won't be, oh, yeah. and you're not dependent. Chances mm-hmm. are you're being emotionally, you're being financially abused as well. You know, yeah. you have gifts and talents and value that you can't see because they've convinced you that you don't have any. And yeah. I know it takes women a long time to be able to get to the place where they realize that actually I do have, I do have that I, I, yeah. I can get help to build my confidence and to step out and, and I'm going to be okay. And I've not known anybody, Simone, and I've been doing this for 20 years. I've not known anybody who haven't been better off. Mm. I, I, I haven't but they've been convinced that they won't be oh, oh oh definitely you know I got to the point Joanna where I am I am you know I've got I'm a good singer yeah. and we used to sing together as a duet my husband and I and then we started a little group in our church that we used to sing together and stuff but he used to devalue me so much mm. in that that I felt that I was not a good enough singer. I was scared to do a solo. And I started out as a soloist. He heard me as a soloist and joined himself to me. Wow. Hearing me sing. You know what I mean? And I got to the point where I was so scared to sing by myself because I thought I just wasn't a good enough singer. You know, that sort of thing. If I, when I, when I, the only thing that he, he, he knew hands down, he couldn't do anything about was my ability to study. And he was, he was extremely jealous of that because he used to make remarks, you know, about, oh yeah, I know I can't win any, any 
arguments with you because you are educated kind of thing. And he made it as if it was a weapon. It's a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. It was a negative um, that I was you know, able to study. You know, I'm able to pass exams or anything like that. Mm. Um, yeah, so he made me feel like I wasn't good enough in anything. You know, question myself, even looking after my children and all that, you know, that sort of thing. He just, and then even my friends, even people who I thought were my friends, but because they were the family friend. Right. They chose you know, sides. Some people chose sides. Um, some people were still around, but I didn't trust because I was scared of mm -hmm. what here because he was such a convincing person mm. and mm. loads of people you know they loved him they love him and you know he saw this and that and whatever and I was scared that they wouldn't believe me they would believe him mm. so at times I was scared to trust people of course you know and that and that just it yeah it took me a while to let to you know let my guard down enough to let people in yeah, yeah. I bet. i'm sure i'm sure it does as we wind up simone thank you so much for i'm um, sharing that i know it's going to be a value to people who can relate to your journey and people are at different places on that journey and you know i wanted us to talk about healing and the healing part of it and maybe we'll maybe mm. we'll do that another time <laughs> really but i want to ask about the children because yeah. one of the reasons um people will give for you know stay and work it out submit some more do some more they always cite the children were the children more settled and happy in while you were there enduring all that you were enduring or have they become settled after like how did the children manage the transition the the children i think the worst part was for my eldest daughter because she she was old enough to see yeah. what was happening um at first she was upset she cried and whatever um i think the second time he left when when we broke up um she i remember her coming to me and she said mom i feel so much more at ease because daddy's not here judging me he's uh. not here telling me what is what I'm wrong with and what's wrong with me and putting me down and stuff mm -hmm. and I was so surprised because I did not know she was under the same pressure I was under you know and that helped me to really feel good about the the decision that I made mm. you know I I sat down the, the boys were were small but they still knew they still understood that daddy wasn't here and daddy wasn't doesn't seem to be coming back home and they would ask me when is daddy coming home kind of yeah. thing you know I try and explain oh well daddy daddy and mommy won't be living together anymore baby you know mm. kind of thing you know and um I remember my son coming to me and he said mom I don't I'm so confused because daddy's telling me that it's your fault that he can't come home mm. and that you treated him really badly. Oh, wow. Um, and I said to him, baby, I said to him, um, daddy, daddy hurt mommy quite badly. Um, 
and that is why and mommy can't deal with it anymore and that is why mommy can't allow daddy to come home kind of thing my son when he heard mommy was hurt my son got really angry he started cutting off from his dad you know but I try I, I talked to him I said baby it's not it's not between you and your dad it's between me and your daddy mm-hmm. your daddy is your daddy you love him if you mm-hmm. want to love him that's that's you that's your place mm-hmm. you know what I mean mm-hmm. try not to allow that to spoil who you are mm-hmm. I don't want you to live with any hatred and anger in yourself Mm-hmm. you know and he slowly let go you know would pray about it I, I, what I did though I had regular family meetings with my children yeah. and caught up where we're at you know give them a space to talk and listen and we would pray and you know reassure each other and just to love each other you know that's that's the thing that I think helped so much that I, I made sure they had that space. We had that contact together. We would sit and we would cuddle and we would just talk about how we're feeling and all that kind of thing. And that's how, and we got through it, you know, and getting counseling and doing my core, my training in counseling. Oh, that was my, that was the best thing I could do for myself. Yeah. Absolutely the best thing. That that's helped. that's where I got the healing yeah mm. that's where I got the healing mm. and I oh. and as I say to people as you heal so will your children oh definitely definitely you know as I come along they come along and I was applying what I'm learning you know yeah in in, in the home and in my life and trying to encourage them you know recently my sister said to me oh your daughter is so emotionally intelligent. Oh. And I felt so good. I felt so good because I thought it's going in. Because it's, know, a, gift. I've been teaching it's her. a gift that you've given her. You've yeah. given her that gift and she's using it. She's using yeah. it. Thank you so much, Simone, for joining us on Stories That Shape Us. And thank you for listening to this episode of Stories That Shape Us. I hope you'll join us on the next story. Okay, thank you for Thank you for listening to Stories That Shape Us with Joanna Daniel. To learn more about Wounds to Scars and the work that we do with adult survivors of childhood trauma and women who experience abuse, you can visit our website at woundstoscars.com.